0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the show, the W2 Prison Break Show. This is the podcast to help you fire your boss and become the CEO of your own business in under 12 months. I'm your host, Brian O'Neill, and today we have a return guest coming back to the podcast because she was so awesome the first time, Whitney Elkins Hutton. And we're gonna learn today about how to become a good investor, how to become a really, really good investor. And Whitney's got a bunch of content that she's put out, course material, classes. She's got a brand new book. You're going to hear about that in this episode. But Whitney is all about cash flow, tax advantages, capital preservation, and growing your wealth as well. So this is really going to be an informative episode, and we're going to answer the question as well. What's a good investment right now? What is a good investment for me in 2024? What should I be looking at? Let's get straight to the episode with Whitney. Whitney, welcome back to the W2 Prison Break Show. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you too. It's been, what, about a year?
0: It's been about a year. And guys, episode number 36 of the show, Whitney was on and we talked about a lot of cool stuff. So go back and check that out after this one. Okay this one first, and then episode number 36. Whitney, you have a new book out, Money for Tomorrow. We're going to talk a lot about that today. And the first question that I have for you is how do we protect our wealth?
1: Well, and I'm so glad you asked because, you know, especially for people who have been investing in the past like 18 to 24 months, they, you know, in real estate or really anything, even the stock market, they're probably scratching their head. They were like, Wow, being an investor is really tough. Well, that's great because growing, when we talk about how do you grow and protect your wealth, like learning how to grow the wealth, like that's what we talked about last time, investing according to the seven pillars of wealth building. That's one skill, that's one muscle to flex. In my book, I call it one of the rules. The other of the four core rules that you need to know in order to be wealthy, you have to learn how to be great at protecting your wealth. And there's really seven ways that even high net worth individuals get pretty tripped up when it comes to protecting their wealth. And I'll just touch on them really quick. And then we can dive it down any rabbit holes that you want to. One, you know, because they're bringing in a lot of money and they forget to optimize their spending. I just recently did a masterclass on our passive investing made simple masterclass. And when, uh, one of the things that I really, you know, helped people understand early January, how do you build a fortress balance sheet? You know, that one, I think you should just carry a fortress balance sheet all the time. But like, what does that actually mean? Especially when you're heading into a, you know, choppy water environment or even a potential uh, recession. Part of that balance sheet is understanding where your spending is and getting a good lockdown on it. I'm not talking about stop buying lattes or, you know, anything like that. But really, you know, how can you kind of trim the fat? Make sure that you are aligned in your spending according to your values. And you have a good visibility on that. I just know like a lot of people when they get, you know, income creep, they also get the lifestyle creep.
0: Totally. Uh,
1: Absolutely. You know, and part of that fortress balance sheet too is under kind of building your financial moat, making sure you've got your defenses set up, right? Like, you know, you go back to the medieval times, you know, you had castles and you had these like watery moats around there. Those were defensive as well as offensive strategies, okay, to protect the city, the castle in there and all the people that live there. And also, it was also good at launching an offensive strike, you know, outward as well. How do you build that financial moat for yourself? Making sure that you have all of your reserves set aside personally for your business. And that that number differs for everybody, okay? We always talk, you always hear it talk about Dave Ramsey and stuff like that, like, you know, have an emergency fund. Like for me, my emergency fund could be very different than your emergency fund. Maybe you're okay with three to six months. For me, I like nine to 12 months because I personally, I just want to sleep really well at night, okay? Does that create a little bit of drag in my portfolio? Yes, and when we talk about different ways that we can maximize or optimize those emergency funds and have them bring in some cash flow for us on the side and and keep them extremely liquid. But making sure that you have that, whatever that monthly number is for you, six to 12 months in reserves, not only for your personal situation, but also for all your businesses and pieces of real estate that you own.
0: Good tip. Okay. So that's number one. You got number two.
1: Oh, that's one and two. That's That's one one and two. two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, making sure that you're managing your credit score appropriately. This is another obstacle that people kind of run into. I'm always shocked by the number of high net worth individuals that I work with that either don't know their credit score or are a little shocked when they look up their credit score. Your credit score is an indication on your lending worthiness how banks see you so we want to make sure we keep that in good shape and that we have a good lockdown on it if you're not you know in the business of securing any loans and any properties right now you might want to consider freezing your credit score at this point in time leveraging interest wisely you can either pay interest or you can get paid interest okay boom you need to be able to optimize both sides of the coin in your wealth building. Okay. If you're paying interest, how do we pay down that debt or optimize it as much as possible? Sometimes paying down the debt, it actually is not the question, especially if that debt has a higher purpose and brings in cash flow.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so we, we take you through a lot of mathematical formulas in the book, Many for Tomorrow. For, so you can really fully understand are you leveraging interest wisely? Okay. Now, here's the thing. Even though the math might tell you you should carry a certain interest rate, like maybe a credit card because you're able to cash flow it, or a loan on a property, there's still the emotional component here too. Okay. Right. So, you know, we don't want to ignore that. Making sure that you're mitigating hidden fees in your portfolio. Hmm. And that means those fees can come into, you know, the different types of fees that you might be paying to banks. If you're buying property, you know, what are the, the the type of fees that you're paying to close those transactions? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest place that people lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm not stuttering. Every day people lose tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars or in their retirement accounts.
0: Mm. They, they I'm so don't... glad you said that. Seriously. <laughs> Thank you for saying that because I just hear, oh, I'm making 8%. Or no, you're not.
1: Not oh, not you're... even not even close. And even let's say you do the math and you're okay with making 5%. Well, if you actually saw what those fees were doing and how they were eroding the balance of your, of your retirement account, you would, oh. so you would never pay them again. It's You would never pay them again. I remembered one of my favorite tools. At the time, it was called personalcapital.com. Now it's empower.com. They had, they still do, a fee analyzer. So... You would, you know, connect all your accounts, and you would project out like what your expense ratios are, what you're contributing. If you got a match, what your match is. And guys, you would be shocked. So many people stick with four hundred one ks thinking that their match like earns them double. It doesn't. You get doubled that one month. That's it. Or added money that one month. Does it compound over time? Maybe. But you're also paying fees. <laughs> that gets rigged back in with fees. Right. Um, anyways, I went down a rabbit hole there, but no, I'm you glad
0: st- you did because it is it is something it's important. Would you recommend would, would you ever recommend somebody maybe new starting a job to go down the path of the 401k or would you inv- advise them to do something different?
1: It really depends. okay. Right. Um, and we run through mathematical models in the mm-hmm. book Money for Tomorrow, where we really compare somebody who has a 401k, has a match, and, but it's paying high, has a high fee load. Right. And I mean like even just a one one and a half percent total fee load between expense ratios and what they're paying, fiduciary fees, you know, twelve one B dash B fees and all that. And then we run through mathematical models as somebody who has a four hundred one K that has a low load was no match, and yeah. you would be shocked. They're pretty much the same. Hmm. Right. So How do you optimize that? Well, if you're going to get a match, can you, I mean, the best case scenario, if you're going to stick with a 401k and you get a match, then how can you be in the lowest feed load environment possible? That's really where that only makes sense. Otherwise, there are a myriad of other ways that you can prepare, set money aside for retirement and not get it locked up in a 401k. Uh, Other things that people don't realize, you know, with 401Ks, and I don't want to get too far off topic, it's not actually your money. It's a beneficiary account. It's for benefit of Mm -hmm. Brian, for benefit of Whitney. I can impact it a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's still subject to terms and conditions of the IRS. So how are those going to change over time? Um, And guys... (laughs) If <laughs> you don't think they're going to change, just look back at history. Things things change all the time. Yeah, um,
0: okay, small tangent there. Important one. Taxes are definitely going up. I would I would say so. Watch that. Okay, sorry, Whitney. Continue with your seven steps, please. Or well, up.
1: and there's there's a myriad of ways to, and, and you know I bring those up in the book as well. Like yeah. there's a myriad of ways. If that is your um, only option, which I challenge it is, to grow your wealth through retirement accounts, there are de- there are retirement accounts that you can actually self-direct. That way you're, you are in better control of what kind of fees are being charged. Right. And um, moving on, invest according to the seven pillars of wealth building. Um, we talked about that last time pretty deeply. I am really challenging everybody to take a look at all the assets that you have in your portfolio right now and grade them on these seven categories. How well did they preserve capital? How well did they generate cash flow? Grow equity. Give you tax benefits, use smart leverage, leverage wisely, okay, not gambling with leverage, okay, but with leverage wisely. I would go so far if you have real estate property, is that leverage positively arbitraged or negatively arbitraged right now, you know with the interest rate environment, then also look how well does it hedge inflation i I invest largely in real estate and businesses. Mm-hmm. For a very specific reason, because they hedge inflation very well. And then also, you know, grade the operator. Okay, if you're the operator, fantastic, right? Grade yourself. Like, well, you know, how do you need to build your mindset, skills, and networks in order to continue to run those investments? Get them across their business plan finish line. Mm -hmm. If you're investing with other people, continue to grade the operator uh, on that asset. And, and, you know, have them re-interview for your portfolio as those assets cycle out. If you don't know the operator, that's a big red flag. That is a huge, huge uh, liability in your portfolio.
0: So you're, I'm, well, let's stay on this for just a bit. So someone who's looking to invest with, with an operator, right? A syndication deal, this is what we're discussing. Maybe you have some tips, right? Like how to, you said grade, how do I grade somebody? And then one of the things that just jumped off is like, make sure you know the person, right? You don't want to be doing this with strangers. So maybe you could talk a, a, for a few minutes on how, you, how someone who's never done this before would go about partnering with somebody or investing in somebody. Because again, there's a lot of different options out there and a lot of people just don't do it because they don't, they don't know what to look for.
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I'll start, I'll answer the question backwards, right? Because with the two questions that are like, how do we know who to invest with? And then how do we grade the investment in our portfolio? Especially if we've already made an investment. So don't let me forget the second one. Let's start okay. with the first one. Okay, the operator, or how to even just get into passive investment in general. I'm going to go through this really fast. I have tons of education at passive investing made simple masterclass, specifically on that. If anybody's looking for them, look for the boot camp skills series. And there, number one, do you understand your goals, your risk, and your time? Okay, why don't we start there? It's Because when you're investing in private equities or passively, or even actively in your own real estate, Or in your own businesses, you have to understand what your goals, your risk, and your timeline are to your investment. You're taking control. That's why so many people still love the stock market. They're handing over control. They don't want to have that. They want to have somebody else make the decisions. But that somebody else is gonna get paid a lot of money to do that, right? That we go back to mitigate those hidden thieves in your portfolio. They get paid a lot of money to do that, which is if you just could. Take a few hours, educate yourself and step into that empowerment to be able to run some of these assets yourself or find these operators to strong operators to invest with. You'll get rewarded for that. Okay, goals, risk, timeline. Again, what do you need from your portfolio? Do you need cash flow? Do you need equity? Do you need tax benefits? Everybody should be looking for capital preservation. Warren Buffett's rule number one to investing. Don't lose money. Rule number two, see rule number one. Why is it so important? It's because if you don't lose your capital, you do not get knocked out of the investing game. You can lose all of your return. But as long as you never lose your capital, you still are alive to invest. You have made it around the board of Monopoly. You may not have collected $200, but you're still alive to purchase more property on the next go around, right? That's right. And, and I'm constantly bringing this back to a game analogy because so many people understand that, so the next step is once you understand your goals risk and timeline, okay, who's gonna be that c o o that operator to help you do it? Are you gonna do it? Are you gonna you know engage somebody else like it, it, and somebody is have the higher and better use with their time, say like they're a tech employee, doctor, lawyer, engineer, or you own your own business, you yep. probably have a, a very high income you have a Far better use of your time, generating income there, taking those active income chips off the table and putting them into a passive cash flow stream environment. Okay. Agreed. I see so many doctors that try to start their own single family or small multifamily portfolio. And I just scratch my head. I'm like, why double down on what you're amazing at? And then either it becomes fun for you again. Or you get enough cash flow, you you can quit and you can go do something else, right? But double down on what you're what you went to school for and what you were really good at. Okay, so that is really important that you understand those things, what you mm-hmm. need, because now you can even start sourcing operators that align with what you need from your portfolio. And then we, there's a myriad of questions that you want to ask them. But all those questions, you're trying to grade their knowledge, their track record, their expertise. Does their business plan align with what you need? Are they, their assets, are they development assets that are really focused on equity and no tax benefits? Are they cash flowing assets that have no equity growth and no tax benefits? Or are they walking a, like a value add or buy and hold strategy that give you capital preservation, cash flow, equity benefits and tax benefits, right? And the more of those pillars you can hit, the better, the, the more... That you're going to hit rule number three of how to grow your well, which is growing your well, right? That's why, that's why we want to hit more of those pillars, okay? So what you're going to get operators now, they're going to start sending you deals. Those operators that align, you're going to get on the list. You're going to have a call. Or you're going to know, love, and trust them. Now they're going to start sending deals. The next step that you've got to get really great at is vetting those deals. And we could spend a whole podcast there. How do you vet a deal?
0: We will at some point. We're just not going to do it today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Next okay. year. Yeah. Let's not wait until 2020 for that. No,
0: let's not. Let's not. But this, that's good, Wouldn't you? Super important because, I mean, I'll be, be quite honest, I probably don't know how to do it well either. I just, you know, a lot of it is, what my takeaway there was, number one, capital preservation. Most people, I think, sleep on that. And then define what you need first. Before, hey, that deal looks good. Maybe maybe I should go after it, right? So clearly define what you want first and then base your decision on at least what your needs are. Go find the operator. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I think the second question, I don't know if you're done with the first part, was like, how do we grade the operators?
1: Yeah. yeah. So how do we grade the operator? So essentially, we're going to take those seven pillars mm-hmm. and just make it really simple. I'm all about um, complexity is the enemy of execution. Like, if I see some of these like amazing spreadsheets that are super complex, but if you're not a spreadsheet nerd and that is not your wheelhouse, you're not gonna do it. You're not gonna maintain it. You're not gonna, you know, you're not even gonna understand what to do with that data. So I have a really simple system that I follow and when I teach my coaching clients is that all your assets, every single asset you're currently in your portfolio, even down to your savings accounts, okay? Grade it and how well it preserves capital, one through four. Give it a score one through four. Same thing with cash flow, equity growth, tax benefits. Unless you are in charge of the asset, nothing will get a four, okay? Unless something's 100% of your control, nothing will get a four. Something's I, I expect a lot of threes, especially if you're in private equity real estate, if you're you know, doing a lot of syndicated deals, if you're in own your own real estate and have it sourced out with a property manager, I expect a lot of threes and fours. If you're invested in the stock market, I expect a lot of ones, okay? Wow. Anyways, you're gonna grade all these things. And then at the end, you're gonna you know, give it a, a tallied score. And you're gonna see, it's gonna create an index for you. And you're gonna see like, oh, wow. My savings account, I have the illusion that it preserves capital, the bank went away, bank collapsed, maybe my capital isn't preserved, right? Mm. Unless I'm FDIC insured and I fall below those banking limits. Let's just give it the savings account at three. Did they create cash flow? Even 4% right now? Those rates are going to start coming down as soon as the Fed fund rate starts dropping. Okay, you don't have control over that. That's not locked in. Do they come with any tax benefits? Nope. You get taxed on all that. Okay, that 4% or 5% you're earning, you're getting taxed at least 1% on that. You know, 20, 25% for most people, that's going away. So you don't get any tax benefits. Are you able to leverage that, you know, to create wealth? Nope. You can lend it out, but that's it's you're lending it out on another investment. Okay. Do you know, you know, the operator, there's really no operator for that account. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, you're not leaning into uh you growing that money or somebody else growing that money. It's just sitting in a bank. They're t- they're quite honestly taking your money and loaning it out in a fractional <laughs> environment. Like that money is really not there. You know, maybe one tenth of it is actually sitting in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so you'll, you'll start to notice that, oh, wow, some of these investments, especially cash that I thought were good, are in a position to actually grow my wealth, grow and protect my wealth.
0: Got it. Which is what your book is about, Money for Tomorrow. you got a lot of parameters here, Whitney, and you know. i got
1: one more that I want to drop. If Bring I it. Please. Okay. This is a huge one. And I, even for my high net worth individuals, I see a lot of people unprepared for their incapacity. So you want to know the quickest way to like have your all of your assets taken over by somebody else or put at risk at somebody else spending them is to not have those documents in place to prepare for your, your incapacity. Now, a lot of us think, okay, I got a will, I got a trust. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, do you have your wishes written down in like a living will, healthcare directives, powers of attorney? If you don't have a claim for your money, somebody else does. If you don't have a claim for your time, somebody else does. If you don't have a claim for your asset, somebody else does. That's somebody else's estate, okay? Now, they're not going to rob you blind, but <laughs> they could be administered or, you know, by somebody else. But you, you don't know what they're doing. You know, they're not doing what you wish and intended to have happen with those assets. Right. So you know, make sure that you're planning for your incapacity because that, you know, I'll, I'll flip it on its head. My father had all these health care directives in place and, you know, he was getting close to end of life and he went into the hospital emergency room and he had a do not resuscitate. And that was very clear on his all of his documents. Those documents, my mom never filed them at the hospital. This is a whole other thing. This is like, oh, my gosh, I can't even tell how many years ago. 18 years ago, systems have changed now. They're far more, you know, electronic and we don't have to do paper filings and stuff like that. But because those were in his record at the hospital, they resuscitated him. Now, am I thankful for the, what the doctors and their efforts? Absolutely. I got more time with my father. The financial impact and the emotional impact to my mother was huge. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, because now he's, Not only, he he came out even in poorer health than when he did did the emergency room. So that's just one kind of grave area. But I'll tell you, I've heard stories as I was writing this book. I was pulling my audience to have them tell my story. And we all know somebody that has a a medical issue that, you know, they weren't prepared for. They didn't have enough insurance or they didn't have like a liability insurance policy. We all know somebody that did not plan for these unforeseen circumstances and for their incapacity, and yeah. it has caused a huge amount of financial and emotional stress. Distress.
0: Yeah. good point. Glad you brought that up. And it's not that hard to do. It's just I think a lot of people avoid it because maybe there's some you know perceived mental anguish with it, but it has <laughs> to be done.
1: No, okay. We're talking about that, right? Like no. I get it.
0: No, I, I didn't like doing it either, but it's done, right? So and and it's now we have to worry about it. All right. I think the Bernie, we've been talking a lot about investments, what to look for, your different criteria, which is really good. Everyone's got to grab the book, but I want to ask you the Bernie question. I know all the listeners are having is like, Hey, what is, what is, what do you think a good investment is right now? What are you doing?
1: Oh gosh. Well, I'm still, you know, in value add real estate, but I'm not in deep like value add, like, or development type stuff. I still love multifamily. I love self-storage in this environment. I think things that to look forward to on the horizon, express car washes, this I still think, you know, especially built out in secondary and tertiary market yep. are going to be an amazing asset. Also, just getting your money invested into a cash flowing asset, like a debt fund, like a real estate debt fund. We have a six and flip plan and you can make six to 8% preferred return when like, you know, with 90 day or less liquidity on it. That is a good option just to continue to get your money earning While you're waiting for some of these deals to come online, because I think there's going to be more deals coming in Q3, Q4 this year. There's so much debt on some of these distressed properties that's resetting by the end of the year. I think there's going to be more opportunities. I don't think it's going to be like 2008. I don't think the market will be flooded with them, but I think we're going to see more and more of those opportunities. Um, other opportunities, preferred equity. There's so, so many multifamily assets out there that are actually very strong. Like They're actually in great markets, great cash flow, even if they've had adjustments in their taxes and insurance in the past like 12 months, they're still cash flowing very well, but they're butting up again against to like, um, you know, that debt maturing in 2024. Yeah, They use like maybe a million, a million and a half of capital infusion to them in order to complete that refinance or maybe 2 million to complete the rehab on the property, to complete the business plan, to qualify for a more permanent debt on the property. Those are great assets if you wanted to come in and take what we call a preferred equity position on those properties. That's a great way, not really one that uh, monthly cash flow on the asset, but a great way to secure a preferred return. Also take advantage of some equity growth, a little bit of tax benefits, and you know, quite frankly, preserve your capital because you're coming right in behind that senior debt on the property.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that probably checks box number one for you, capital preservation. Okay, good share. You mentioned you went over it when you were talking about real estate, but you said something about buying businesses or or investing in businesses. Is that something that's on your radar and something you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, well, we've been, you know, at PassiveInvesting.com, we've been investing in businesses for a few years now, in the express car wash market. Got it. And, you know, to some extent, like self-storage, I mean, self-storage is a commercial real estate business itself. I would say even the express car wash is more business-like because it has that operational income. It varies month to month, a little bit more so than like a self-storage, you know, complex would. But those businesses, you know, especially for investors that are looking for still some sort of cash yield into today's market, they want that equity growth. They want tax benefits, you know, express car washes, investing in businesses. The way you depreciate the businesses is a little different than you would real estate. And we can actually accelerate those losses forward like with a cost segregation. So here's a good point, a good Mm -hmm. differentiation. If I have a multifamily building and I depreciate that, even if I do a cost segregation analysis, probably with 60% bonus depreciation, I'm gonna be somewhere around 40 to 50% year one loss. Okay, Mm -hmm. depending on my business plan. Huh? An express car wash, because we can actually depreciate the building we, as a piece of equipment, we're going to be closer to that 65 70% year one loss. So for those people who are still trying to take advantage of bonus depreciation, that tax incentive right down, that's fantastic. Now, if we get 100% bonus depreciation back, which is, I've heard grumblings you know, that that bill might pass, um, you know, everybody is going to be really happy, but
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. got it. <laughs> to
1: be determined.
0: <laughs> to be determined. I'll tell you. And again, guys, go to episode 36. I have not looked at a car wash the same since that episode. I, I just had n- no idea the level of uh, complexity in terms of how, how much of a business it actually is. And you just don't think about it, right? It's like, oh, I just got to get, I'm just paying, you know, whatever, 10 bucks to get my car washed. And You ran through some awesome math. That was a a good episode, guys. Check that out for sure. Whitney, what's the best place to get the book Money for Tomorrow? Where do we go?
1: Yeah. Well, so I encourage, you can find it at Barnes & Noble. You can find it at Amazon. But if you want all the freebies that are associated with the book, um, there's a a wealth of pre-order freebies. If you order February 1st through February 21st, 2024, you'll get a four-week series masterclass with me, a suite of tools that'll help you implement the, you know, the key teachings in the book. Some of those things will be available afterwards if you order through Bigger Pockets, right? I always yeah. encourage people to go direct to to the publisher to order if at all possible. But they really try to incentivize people to do that by giving away like a ton of value with the book. So you go to get get. dot forward slash Whitney.
0: Okay. Excellent. Guys, that will be in the show notes. You'll be able to go right to that. I look forward to having you on to, we're going to vet a deal. That's going to be awesome. Um, But before we wrap up here, Whitney, as always, you're amazing. Anything that you want to leave us with that I didn't ask you, or maybe you have a a quote or a final thought. I mean, give us your best stuff.
1: I think 2024 is going to be a year of opportunity. And they may not be like knocking down your door right now, but this is an amazing time to get yourself in the best fortified financial position. So when those opportunities hit, you can take advantage of them. This is a great time to do some amazing work. So check out Money for Tomorrow.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And that's a great final thought because, you know, I think a lot of people that aren't in it don't feel similarly, but I 100% agree with you. We, We have a lot of opportunity in 2024. Just got to look for it. Thanks, Whitney. I appreciate you. Look forward to having you on. Everyone, make it an excellent day.